Robert Bradford, Paris. David Broberg, Central Eurasia. David Buckley. Barbara Kavanagh, Asia Pacific. Earl and Janet Kreps. Troy Darren, Moldova. Carol Feigelson, Thailand. Kent Holbert, Youth Alive. Matt Johnson. Doug W. Johnson, Russia, Europe. James Mathias Jr., Finland. Wendell McClung, Lithuania. Paul Parks, Ministry to the Muslims. Paul Perquet, Ukraine. Rene Pilsing, India. Phil Schmidt. Wilma Schneider, Book of Hope. Gary Shanahan, Armenia. Chris Stubbs. Matt Wilkie. John Cowdy, Food for the Hungry. James Olson, Lamp International. Sarah and Jackin Pedleton, YWAM. Campus Crusades, Britt Dyer. City on a Hill. Special Touch Ministry. Team Challenge. And Search Ministries. In 2008, Life Church gave $152,595 to missions. We supported 31 missionaries, 8 organizations, 7 special projects, and 2 missions trips. And we did this together. Together, we can love. Together, we can make a difference. And together, we can reach the world. Take your Bibles and open with me to the 66th book of the Bible. Regardless of the version that you have with you this morning, they all have 66 books. And so come back with me, please, to the book of Revelation. To the book of Revelation, the 66th book, and once you are there, then come back a half a sheet and you'll find my text this morning in the book of Jude. The book of Jude. And I'm going to read with you beginning at verse 1. I want you to find it, find it, find it, and we'll begin to read together at verse 1 of the book of Jude. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. He's greeting the saints. Then, quickly, he got to the heart of what he wanted to say and what he wanted to write. Beloved, he says, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. Why? He answers the why in verse 4. Because certain men have crept in on crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God in the lewdness and denied the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 11, woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, they have run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit, and they have perished in the rebellion of Korah. 
Verse 16, these are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts and their mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you that would be mockers in the last time would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions not having the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ under eternal life. And then he ends with verses 24 and 25. Listen to this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever and forever and forever. Amen. Jude is the half-brother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He never found Jesus as his savior until after the resurrection. Now, Jude writes, I'm sure he wanted to write like Timothy, a couple of books, at least more than one chapter. But on a half a sheet of paper, quickly, he scratched out the passion of his heart. And you see it in verse 3. I come back to it again where he says, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. I told you like it was, he says. But I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. We in the English language are very blessed because we have many translations of the New Testament. One of the men who translated the New Testament is a man by the name of Williams. Williams. When Williams came to verse 3 of chapter 1 of the book of Jude, where the King James or the New King James renders it to exhort you, he said, I exhort you to contend earnestly for the faith, to contend earnestly for the faith. Williams uses these words to vigorously defend the faith. To vigorously defend the faith. For the defense of the faith is ours to make. That's what God's calling upon us to do tomorrow, this morning, right here at Life Church, that we would vigorously defend the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I read for you on purpose, verse 11, where it talks about three Old Testament personalities Cain, Balaam, and Korah, or Kor. Three men in the Old Testament who made a defense of their own positions. Look with me for just a moment at baby Cain. Baby Cain. For a while on this earth, he was the only baby. He was the firstborn, baby Cain. His parents would wrap him in blue blankets and they'd bring him to church and everybody would go, wow, baby Cain. Think about it. And then an intruder appeared on the scene when Abel, his little brother, was born. Now, as they grew... That which Abel offered to God, God accepted. That which Cain offered to God, God rejected. And Cain couldn't handle it. After all, he had his rights. He was the firstborn. And he couldn't handle the injustices. And Cain suffered a psychic trauma from which he never fully recovered. For the day came when Cain killed Abel. And God set the mark of a murder on his brow. Once again... He was most unique. For he defended his own position. I've not come this morning to Germantown, to Life Church, to defend my position. 
I'm not here to defend the Republicans or the Democrats. He has his favorites, I understand that, but I'm not here to defend my political party. I'm not here to defend even America, ladies and gentlemen. I'm glad to tell you this morning, the latest statistics coming out of Washington, D.C. today is that 92% of Americans are fully employed. Think about it. 4% of the unemployed don't want to work anyway, so 96% of the people who really want to work are working. What a country! I just came a few days ago from Malawi, where the average wage is a dollar a day, 50% of people are unemployed. We are told by the media that if you, that the people around the world have animosity toward America. And I will tell you one, ladies and gentlemen, one who travels a lot, 150,000 miles a year. Come with me and I will show you in every major city of America, pe people lined up at the embassy waiting to get a visa to come into this great country of ours. Because this is the greatest country on the face of the earth. Let me try it over here. This is the greatest country in the... But I'm not here this morning to defend America. I'm not even here to defend the organization that I'm a member of, the Assemblies of God. That's not my purpose for coming to defending the 16 cardinal doctrines of the Assemblies of God. I've come with a greater purpose than all of that. I've come to defend the faith that there is in Jesus Christ that says that a man that is lost can become found. A man that's on his way to hell can turn around and he's on his way to heaven. A man that's blind can see. Hallelujah. Not because he belongs to a church. Not because he's taken catechism. Not because he obeys rules and regulations, but because he says, Jesus Christ, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Cleanse me. And I will live for you the rest of my life. I told you that my father was a minister. Did I tell you that my father was a minister? And so as a preacher's kid, as a preacher's kid, going to church was never an option. Because we had to have a crowd. <laughs> we, did, we did. So, 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 so I, I always went to, we always, we, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. We always went to church. We just went to, it was just, we went to church. It's what we did. We went to church. So I don't know as a boy, I don't know when I got saved because I was always getting saved. I was saved when I was four and a half and I was saved when I was five and I was saved when I was five and a half. Got saved when I was six. I got saved when I was six and a half. But someplace along the line it stuck. I no longer had to raise my hand. I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. That's what I'm talking about this morning. Don't make this thing difficult. Don't wrap it up in all kinds of rules and regulations. I came out of rules and regulations. I remember when you couldn't read the Sunday paper. Remember that memory? You remember that, sir. You remember, you couldn't, you remember, remember when the ladies in our church couldn't wear makeup? That's the truth. Oh, we had regulations. And, and, and in case anybody's asking, I'm in favor of it. Ladies, I'm in favor of it. I say get it on early. Get it on. Get it on. Get with <laughs> no, this thing is not rules and regulations. It's not the length of your sleeve. It's not the. Yes, I wish that some of the boys I've seen them all would pull up their pants. No doubt about it. They got things hanging in their ears. They got writing all over them. They're weird. They got their hair goes. Oh, you know, and you know they walk like this. They, that's the only way you can walk when you're up. But but no, it's the truth. See. But but. Let's now, let's now make this thing. The people in Milwaukee, 
The people in Germantown, the people in Wisconsin, America, they're not looking for catechism. They're not looking for church. They're not looking for rules or regulation. They're looking for hope. They're looking for faith. They're looking for substance. They're looking for somebody who can come along and be their savior. And we have found him. His name is Jesus Christ of Calvary. I'm not ashamed this morning to say that I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. And I find too many people wrapped in, oh, I've studied it, I've studied it. I've, I've, I've studied hermeneutics and homiletics and theology one, two, three, and four. I know a little Greek and a little Hebrew. The little Greek lives in New York. But I, I, I've studied all of this. I, but that's not, that's not, this, these people are not looking for rules or regulations. They're looking for somebody who come along and say, I can lead you to one who will forgive you of your sins. His name is Jesus Christ. Because every man and woman in this crowd this morning, everybody in Germantown, they know that they're lost. That's not our message. Our message is that you can become found, that Jesus Christ can become your Savior because we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart. And that's it. And I say, ladies and gentlemen, let's keep this thing simple. Let's just simply defend the faith. That's what we do around the world. We're working in over 200 countries of the world, not establishing our denomination, but establishing the faith that there is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Secondly, I'd like to say one more thing about that, and that is... The faith that I want to defend this morning is divine healing. I believe in divine healing because it's in the book. On his back, he bore the stripes for our healing, the Bible says. Before there was Tylenol and Advil, there was Jesus. Jesus. Before we call the pediatrician, there's Jesus. It's an amazing concept. Try it. He's our healer. Not only our savior, but he's our healer. When I was dying of infectious hepatitis in Portugal in 1976, for 60 days in my own bed, I couldn't get out to get up to go to the table. I was so weak. But I remember, ladies and gentlemen, that afternoon when he walked into my room, I had been fighting with the pillow for so long. For 60 days and 60 nights. And I, and, and the devil came into my room and he said, you're a fool. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't need any help from him. He said, you're stupid. Look at you. Here you are in Portugal. You've started the Bible school. You don't need to stay here any longer. Go back to America. You're a father of three boys. Go back and get some good help. And, and then I, I put the pillow on top of him. I just put the pillow because I wanted to crawl it all out. And, and, and the devil crawled right under the pillow. I, he crawled. He said, I'm still here and you're still stupid. But in that moment... My God, Jesus Christ, my Savior and my divine healer, crawled under the pillow with me on the other side. And he said, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And in that moment, brothers and sisters, believe it or not, I stood up and I took that pillow and I threw it at the devil and I said, get out, get out, get out. I walked down that hall, stood in the shower, and for the first time, Strength surged back into my life as God healed me in a divine way because he is our savior and our healer. And I offer that to you this morning. And that's what we've come to defend, our divine healer. Why isn't everybody healed, you ask? That is not my, that's not my, ask him. I just, he just says, come and believe me and trust 
And we come in simple faith and trust. We bring it all to him. Praise God. 1994, five o'clock in the morning, they're taking me down the hall on my way to prostate cancer surgery. When you live as long as I do, ladies and gentlemen, you have, you have certain things happen. Yeah. And you need, you need, you need more than, you need a, you need a, you need a healer. I stand before you today. I needed to get, I, can I just take a minute and say, because, thank you. But I was, I was, I, I had to have a letter. I had to have a letter from, I had to have a letter, I had to have a letter from an insurance company. To talk about the, the prostate cancer surgery. So I had not been back to the doctor that performed the surgery for years. I had always had my PSA checked and I went regularly and did all those things. With, but I hadn't. So I, I, I went back to see him in Charlotte, North Carolina. And, uh, and uh, they took me in and they sat me down on that crinkly paper. <laughs> I got, you love it. You got to, you know, you, you, these people, they, they, they got a boring job. And this, this girl, this girl came in and she had the clip, she had a clipboard, you know, and she looked at me and she looked at the clipboard. She said, wow, the operation was in 1994. And then she looked at me. She said, wow, that was a long time ago. I begin to wonder. But I passed it off, and then the nurse came. She came. She had to get some blood. They love this too, and and she she came and she got the, she, and she looked at the clipboard and she said 1994, and she looked at me and she went, wow. I begin to wonder if anybody that he operated on ever lived long. You know, I'm wondering. No, I'm wondering. You know, <laughs> the doctor walked in. My, how he had aged. I mean, I didn't look any different at all. But he he looked so much older. I shook his hand and he said, Reverend, you looked great. He said, I have checked everything. He said, I will write you the letter. And a month later, I got the letter from the doctor. And he said, I operated on Mr. Johnson. Da, 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 da. And he gave all these big, and this is for the insurance company, all these big. But he said, Reverend Johnson. And Mr. Johnson is cured of cancer. There's not a semblance of it left. And you and I know the reason why. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Believe it, brothers and sisters. Accept it and receive it. And I'm here to defend the faith that says that he is our divine Savior and our healer. Praise God. Secondly, Jude says that we are not only to defend the faith, but we are to dedicate ourselves. For he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. That's what I read for you. Keep your, I want to keep everybody in the love of God. Do you know people like that? I'm always wanting to keep, I don't know why she, and did you notice what he drove? And how come, the, and you know where they live, and I don't know how they, and I'm always wanting to keep other people in the love of God. That's not what he said. He said, it's not your responsibility to keep the pastor in the love of God. It's our responsibility to keep ourselves in the love of God. Did you notice that? He said, keep yourself, because the dedication. Now, I flew in here yesterday from Springfield, Missouri, and there were some babies on the plane that I wanted to dedicate. <laughs> no, no, no doubt. And, but but, but that's, not, that, that, that's not what he asked me to do. He asks me to keep myself in the love of God. The dedication is mine to offer. See, this is what I must do. 
I can't dedicate you this morning. You can't dedicate me. But he asks us to dedicate ourselves. I stood this morning in the motel room one more time. Before I left the room, I bowed my head and I said, Dear Jesus, today I dedicate my life anew and afresh to you. Because it's mine to offer to him. He asks me to defend the faith and to dedicate myself. And if I'll do that, here's the clincher. Verses 24 and 25. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before him in the presence of his glory to the only wise God be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever and forever. The demonstration is God's to give. God will come and bless us. Let me try it over here. God will come and bless us. Amen. Hallelujah. It's in the book. The demonstration is God's to give. God comes and God and God five years ago when I turned 65 cameraman if you could come a little closer please just a little closer right here because these people are going to wonder they're going to say this man cannot be that old but if you will notice quickly folks oil of Olay is amazing <laughs> try it and um, when I turned 65 I took a yellow sheet of paper. I sat at my desk by myself and I said, God, I've given you all my life. We were in Europe missionaries for 20 years, built Bible schools in Spain and in Portugal, the Portugal Bible School. Today we have over 500 graduates someplace around the world preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. We helped to build the Bible school in Brussels, Belgium, worked together with the Bible school in Rome, Italy. And since then, we've been deeply involved in building Bible schools in Romania, Belarus, and Siberia, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan. You helped me last year. You didn't know it, but you helped me finish up the Bible school in Albania. And I took the yellow sheet of paper and I said, Lord Jesus, now, I'm going to ask you, for 15 more years to go strong and to build Bible schools that need them to be built desperate. I'll tell you why. I'm not fascinated by the buildings. I'm fascinated by what happens because Jesus Christ took 12 men. He devoted his entire life with those 12 men. He lived with them. He taught them. He shared with them. He showed them how to, and, and at the end, when they had a final examination, one guy failed, 11 guys succeeded. They graduated. Jesus appeared to them after the resurrection and he said, now here's what I want you to do. Go back together, go together to Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? Because it was the place of failure. It was there in Jerusalem that they turned their back on Jesus. Now he wants to make Jerusalem a place of success. Go back to Jerusalem and I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit upon you. They went together to Jerusalem. Look at it in Acts chapter 2 verse 1. And they were all together in one place. And suddenly the Holy Spirit descended upon them. They began to speak in other tongues as they were filled with the power of God. And the people were amazed that were around them. Peter stood up and he began to preach. And when he finished 3,000 got saved. And if you'll come with me this morning around the world, I will show you one half billion Pentecostal believers who trace all of the beginnings back to the day of Pentecost when Peter preached. Because Jesus invested his life in 11 faithful men. That's the secret. And that's why the Assemblies of God, the fellowship that this church is a part of, leads all denominations around the world in building Bible schools. Let me give you a case in point. Nigeria. 
Nigeria is a country way up here above Malawi. Nigeria is the most populous country in all of Africa. 130 million people in Nigeria. When I go to Nigeria, I always travel with an armed guard. He sits in the front seat with a submachine gun between his legs. It's a dangerous country. Lots of violence. Lots of political problems. Just recently, several months ago, it hit the press, of course, in America. But the, one of our fine superintendents was caught by the opposition, the other political party. They cut off his ears, they cut off his limbs, they poured alcohol all over him, and while he was alive, they burned him to death. That's Nigeria today. A country with 130 million people, the average wage is a dollar a day. We at one time had 100 missionaries in Nigeria. Today we have one couple. But here's what's phenomenal. Here's how the demonstration of God's blessings apply to this entire situation. Because the missionaries that were there planted 10 Bible schools. And today, across Nigeria, we have 3,000 Bible school students, all fully taught and fully supported by the National Church, a church where the average wage, as I told you, is a buck a day. But they pour a half a million dollars into those 10 Bible schools every year because this is God's blessing. And today, there are 30 million Pentecostal believers in all of Nigeria. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. I know I'm talking to Milwaukee people, but please. I love you. The demonstration is God's to give. God's to give. God's to give. God's to give. I'm going to take you on a little journey. Come quickly with me. This country here is in the southern part of Africa. Now you'll have to, you'll have to, you'll have to, let me help you. And we're going to go way up to the top of, of Africa. And I'll turn around to help you do it. Because over here at the top, you have Morocco. And then you have Algeria. And then you have Tunisia and Libya, where Gaddafi is. And then you have Egypt, with its 84 million people. And above Egypt is Israel. All right? Have you got it? All right? You got Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, Libya, Egypt. In the second century, all of North Africa was Christian. And then the Muslims came and invaded North Africa, backed up by the army. And they imposed their faith upon the people. And all of North Africa today is Muslim. Followers of Muhammad. But... There's a people among them all called the Berber people. B-E-R, B-E-R, like the carpet in your basement. Berber people. Eight million of them. Gaddafi over here is a Berber. And the Berber people historically have resisted the imposition of the Islamic faith. And I'm going to tell you something right now that I cannot explain to you. Except that there's a sovereign God in heaven. And in 1980, 81, 82, 85, 87, the Holy Spirit began to visit the Berber people, especially in the country of Algeria, and scores of thousands of them found Jesus Christ as their personal Savior.
Not because of the Assemblies of God. We had no missionaries. Not because of the Methodists, the Baptists, the Nazarene, the Lutherans. No, but because of the work of the Holy Spirit. How can this be? Because Jesus Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you will defend the faith and dedicate yourself, the demonstration, I'm going to come and I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I'm afraid, brothers and sisters, that since 9-11, whenever we hear about Muhammad and Muslim faith, and we just all, oh, 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 ah, he's not worried. And we have a missionary from Oregon who studied French in France. They teach it there. And he went down to West Africa where they speak French. And while he was there, God spoke to him and said, I want you to go to Algeria. So he went. He went to the division of four missions to the Assemblies of God and said, I believe that God wants me to go to Algeria. And they said, we don't send missionaries to Algeria. Too dangerous. We don't. He said, yeah, but he said, they said, they said, and they worked it out and he went. And five years ago, these Berber people came and they found him and they said, would you please help us to build Life Church in Algeria? They didn't call it that, but would you please help us build Life Church? And he said, I'll do it. And then they said, would you do one more thing? Please help us to know the word of God. And a Bible school was started in Algeria. He came to me. He said, could you help us build the Bible school? I said, of course, we'll help you build the Bible school. How much do you need? He said, I don't know. A year later, he called me on the phone. This is unbelievable. He called me on the phone. He said, I found the property. I said, yeah, I didn't know you've been looking. He said, I found the property. He said, I got to have $150,000 right away. You know how that is, Aaron. I didn't have any money. And then and I, I said, I said, I said, because you had never, no, none. And so I said, no, I said, I, I said, I said, well, so I, I went. I went and I borrowed the $150,000 and I sent it to him and we bought the land across from the university in the capital city of Algeria and we have received permission from the government and the Bible school building is being built as we sit here this morning because Jesus Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The demonstrations God's to give. The missionary lost his visa. I tried to get in there, and they wouldn't give me a visa. You can't get a visa today to Algeria. But we have the national workers there trained already, and the Bible school is being built, and the work of God is going forward because it's his plan. Not your plan, not my plan. It doesn't belong to Life Church. It belongs to somebody. It's his plan. Hallelujah. And he's in control this morning. And I'm happy to tell you, I, I could just, I could just so I won't, but praise God for all that God is doing. This is unbelievable. Wow. When I was a missionary in Spain, when I was a missionary in Spain, we helped to start the Bible school. And I, I was fortunate to go up to Holland, to Holland, on several occasions and to work with the Bible school up there. You know Holland is not a, Holland is not the bastion of great. Holland is a place where they have legalized marijuana. Holland is a place where prostitution is publicly displayed in the streets of Amsterdam. It's a wicked place. And last year when I was in Romania at the Bible school that God helped us to build there, a big man, big Dutch man came up and he stuck out his hand and he said, my name is Peter Slebos. I said, wow, so... 
He said, no, 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 no. He said, I remember you. When you were in Madrid, Spain at the Bible school, you came up to Holland and I was a Bible school student. He said, let me tell you what happened. He said, today I am the superintendent of the Pentecostal work in Holland. And he said, the University of Holland came to me and said, would you please bring our, your Bible school into the University of Holland and take over the religious affairs department because you are the only hope left for Amsterdam and for Holland. He said, you are the only hope left for Amsterdam and Holland. And we are now in the university teaching, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The man that's going to build the church with you in Paris is the man who built the church in Amsterdam. Unbelievable, see, because the demonstrations God's to give. And so we went to Malawi last year. We sat down with the brethren in Malawi. This is a country of 14 million people. Average wage, a buck a day. Gasoline, $6.50 a gallon. Malawi. There was a man in Oklahoma City who invested in the church in Malawi some years ago. Helped to build the Bible school. He invested over $7 million. And today, because of all of his investment and because of the national church, there's nearly 1 million believers in, in Malawi today. We have a magnificent Bible school. And, and the superintendent and the brethren said, could you help us do one more thing? We have this great Bible school. We've got the seminary. We're on our way to a Ph.D. program. This, their goal is that by 2012, that 10% of everybody in Malawi will be in the Assemblies of God. Can you imagine by the year 2012, 10% of Germantown will be in your church? There you go. And so, so he said, would you please help us? And so we devised a plan. And we're going to build 25 extension centers this year in Malawi. Each one of them looking something like this. This will also be a church, seats 350 people. But our purpose is to have a place where these people who can't come to the Bible school can come to a place in their own area and, and be taught the word of God. And we can do all of this, each one of these, for $25,000. Unbelievable. The price of a Mazda. Ford Escort with bells and whistles. It's unbelievable. Because the demonstrations God's to give. What's God asking of us this morning? He's asking that we would one more time defend the faith. I'm not ashamed to say that I believe in Jesus Christ. That we would dedicate ourselves anew to him. And then watch the demonstration. I'm going to come back, Pastor. And watch as the auditorium goes up out here, as you have 1,000 and 1,500 and 2,000 people in your services, you'll have multiple services. You'll be the talk of Germantown. Listen to me this morning. Because the demonstration is God's to give. Praise God. As we defend the faith, we dedicate ourselves to the demonstrations God's to give. May I pray with you? Malawi, a country that God has visited in a phenomenal way. This place where there are now nearly one million Pentecostal believers in the Assemblies of God. And God is asking us 
to partner together with the brothers and sisters in Malawi and do something that's never been done before. They have a marvelous Bible school facility with 350 Bible school students, a seminary already that's at an MA and eventually at a PhD level, but we're going to this year take the Bible school to, to 25 key cities across Malawi and take the Bible school in an extension capacity to those because you see a lot of these people cannot come to Bible school they cannot they have families they 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 would love to but they can't and so we're going to take the Bible school to them we're going to build 25 extension centers these extension centers will also become churches. They'll have room for 350 people in each one of these extension centers. They'll also become a mini clinic. We're envisioning that each one of these places will be a place where people can come for not only spiritual help, but also for physical help under the missionary care there. On my last visit to Malawi, we went into a village just outside of Lilongwe, the capital. That was really an insight into how, really, how all of Malawi is. Many times I, I tell our friends and people who come with me and others who have visited with us in the past that many times cities mask the reality of what our country really looks like. You've got to come to the little village and we went there where a church has been built. Then as we were leaving, the interpreter said there's an elderly gentleman here who has request. I thought maybe he needed some money for medical help or maybe a gift of some kind. He said, would you please pray for me? And I pray God that as his testimony goes forth in this village, that you would just do a miracle here in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. He said, would you please pray for me? I'm suffering in my body and I need the God you're talking about to touch me. And we gathered around him, and we did pray for him, that God would come and that God would touch him. Because that's the answer that Jesus Christ has given to all of us. That's what makes Priority One so big and so huge. And that's sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, as he asked us and told us to do. Praise the Lord.